When I think about all the things that I've done as a business owner, as a salon owner for the last 16 years this year, holy smokes, I think of a lot of things that just didn't work and wasted so much money. Like I wish I could go back in time and tell myself, don't do these things. Don't do X, Y, and Z. And that is exactly what I'm going to share with you inside of this episode. Before we jump into the episode, though, I want to tell you that I am going to do a giveaway this week on my Instagram over all the prize. The the giveaway is Salon Quarterly Journals. So I'm going to give away journals all week long. And I just wanted to let you know to make sure to go over there and check that out. And if you're a podcast girl, which I know you are because you're listening to this, obviously, I want you to send me a DM and say, hey, I'm from the podcast and I would like to have an extra entry into the giveaway. And anybody that shares the podcast, et cetera, this week on social, you're going to get an extra giveaway entry as well, because I can't wait for you to get these journals in your hot little hands. What's up and welcome to the 10 Minute Beauty Business Podcast. I'm Lexi Lomax, your host, beauty business coach, salon owner of 15 plus years and a stylist too. Each week I will bring guests, topics, and conversations you can relate to. We all need biz solutions fast and for them to work. I'm an open book and aim to share all of my answers with you. No matter what stage you are in in your beauty business, independent, commission, salon owner, or dreaming somewhere in between, 10 Minute Beauty Business is here to serve you. Now, let's get to it. Yes, I have been a salon owner for 16 years this year in June. It blows my mind, especially because I feel like I'm 17 still. But it's the reality is that I started my salon when I, I started planning for my salon and building the business back end when I was 19. When I was 20, I opened the salon. I shortly turned 21 thereafter. So it took quite a while. Obviously, we did a full build out, all kinds of things that, you know, some was really awesome and some wasn't. And I've shared lots about that in the podcast uh, in the past. But today we're going to talk about the things that didn't work, right? And why they didn't work. And then also on the flip side of that, I want to share with you what did work for growth when we're talking about business growth as a whole. And this conversation, you might think, well, I'm not a salon owner, so maybe it doesn't pertain to me. No, all of the things pertain, right? It doesn't matter what stage, like I say in the fancy intro, it doesn't matter what stage of your business you're in because you may be there one day and all of these things apply to independent stylists or even commission stylists as well if you're trying to grow your business. And I I know that a lot of us that listen to the podcast, because I talk to you guys and you tell me, Lexi, I'm podcast people, you're established. You've got it going on. But then there's also lulls where we go, well, wait, I'm not as busy as I would like to be, or maybe I've lost some clients, or this is a good time to just kind of take inventory and say, what am I doing that's not working? And what am I doing that needs to be more focused in terms of growth? And what kind of growth do I want? You know, I ask you lots and lots and lots of questions here on the 10 Minute Beauty Business Podcast. But the thing is, is that if we don't ask them, we never answer them. And if you don't answer them, you're not going to have change in your business. So if you're looking for growth in any direction, whether that's even you're an established stylist. This is me right now. I'm an established stylist. I have more clients than I know what to do with, especially because my coaching business is taking up more and more of my time, which thank you for that, by the way. I love you. I mean it for real. And I love coaching. Like it's just where my heart is. It's what I've always wanted to do since 16 years ago on day one. But I have way more clients than I know what to do with. I'm incredibly blessed because of that, because I've handled my business in a business manner. I've treated my biz like a biz. And they're not all like really my ideal client anymore. That has shifted for me. And so I'm in the bit 
of a revamp mode in terms of my business and my clientele. And with these life changes I have going on, you know, if you've listened to the podcast or follow me online, you know that I am pregnant and going to be welcoming my first baby. Holy smokes, here in the spring into our family, into our lives and into my business. So I'm in a bit of a revamp. For me, I don't necessarily want growth in terms of number of clients or even financial growth. I'm very happy with the profitability of my behind the chair side of things in my business. But what I would like is growth in a different direction. I would like more of a different kind of target client. I would like things to have a different landscape. That's still growth. I know some of you are there, like you're like, I'm busy, whatever, and you can only raise your prices every five minutes. So what do you do on the third and second minute, right? These kind of conversations. So just stick with me and know that we're gonna talk a lot about growth, what worked, what didn't work. And of course, I will share all the things in between. The very first thing that I think of in terms of business, and you're gonna be like, I can't believe you did that. And some of you are so young that you're like, what? That's ridiculous. 16 years ago, you were probably in elementary school. But when you were in elementary school 16 years ago, maybe, you would go to a restaurant and they would give you crayons and you could color on the menu and the menu had businesses on it. (laughs) And you had like, you know, different things for local restaurant. Well, the local restaurant had their menu on one side and then for, for the kids meal, it had all this other stuff. Okay, why on earth? This is the first thing that didn't work. I sponsored one of those menus. So there was a a rather famous and established restaurant that we ate at all the time. It was called Tyler's Taste of Texas, not in Texas. Probably really looking back like disgusting, really. But back then it was all right. And we ate there all the time. And it was pretty, it was like, big barbecue food, right? So we sponsored a menu and the salon was plastered all over that menu on the adult menu and on the kids menu that they could color on. And it was, to me, it made sense because we were customers there. And 16 years ago, things were different, guys. We got to remember that. But we're talking like 2007. Yeah. Like basically 2007, 2008. It's probably six blocks from my salon. So it's really close. It's not there anymore. Um, I don't know what it is actually now. But the thing is, is that we spent all that money and it, I want to say it was something like at the time it felt like a million dollars to me. I think it might have been like a thousand dollars a month, which or maybe 500, somewhere in there. A lot of money to just be printed on a menu. And I thought that that's how advertising worked. Like if people saw it enough, they would just show up. And while we did have growth during that time and people came from that menu and it was aligned in essence, people that went there probably would be in alignment with the salon's customer. The problem was that I didn't know that then. And everything I did was not in alignment. I just did stuff. It was like throwing darts and seeing which one would hit the board. It just didn't matter. Like, yes, there were probably crossover between their target customer and ours. But the problem was that I was not thinking target customer at all. And so that's the first watch out that I want to share with you when you're trying to do anything for growth. And that includes looking for stylists that would come work at your salon. Because I also did something similar that was free though. And I like created this flyer and I took it to Maylie's. It used to be called, now it's salon centric, but, and I had a flyer in their book of salons with open booths. Like that didn't get me anybody. That didn't make sense because my target customer was an elevated stylist. Although at the time I was still working through that and had crazy chicks and nut jobs and, and also some really awesome stylists that worked with me too. <laughs> But needless to say, the whole point is anything that you're doing to try to grow, you need to make sure it's intentional towards your target customer. They are speaking to your gal. And I know that now we're way smarter. We have been enlightened. But back then I didn't know that. And 
Even still, I know that we know it. We've been enlightened to this method, to this thought about business. But I see stuff every single day on Instagram, in my emails, in coaching, where I'm like, you're not speaking to your target customer, or the target customer that you've described to me is not actually the customer that you want, or worse than that, you have no idea who your target customer is. So number one, make sure you know who your target customer is, right? Like, what do you do? And who do you do it for? It's it's that simple. But that menu thing, when I started thinking about that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane. The other thing I did that was in better alignment, but not really, <laughs> it was still basically along the same lines, was sponsoring the cheer team. I thought, oh, cheerleaders are like leaders at their school. People can associate with them. Usually they're like pretty put together so they could come in and we could take care of them and do their hair a couple of times. Maybe their moms, right? I was thinking like disposable income because being a cheerleader is expensive. Um, at least in Southern California, cheer is like a whole other thing, a whole different animal. And so we aligned and sponsored the cheer team. However, people like that, and I'm using air quotes, and please don't be offended if you're a cheerleader or whatever. I feel like I'm a people like that. They already have a stylist. They already know what they like and what looks good. So just sponsoring the cheer team and getting our name in the high school flyer was like a total waste of money. And yes, we had maybe one or two clients, but those one or two clients does not equal the dollars that I spent putting forward to be a part of their circle, to to have my name be brought up. And really, frankly, when you look at things like that, all they want, the restaurant or the high school, and for the record, I do not sponsor anyone anymore. I don't do any of that. I do all of my own marketing because I can control it. And this is exactly why. They only want your money. They're not actually, they're like, yeah, but hundreds and thousands of people are going to see this. And I'm like, um, yeah, hundreds and thousands, or maybe not hundreds of thousands, how about just thousands of people will see it. And they are not my target customer. They don't care about me. And you only want me to pay for you to go to Florida so you can go high kick your life away. Like, no, uh-uh, not my deal, not my problem. And when they call and they say, will you sponsor us? We really need it. We need local businesses and all of that. I'm like, yeah, like that's just, it's not for me. Thank you so much. I would rather, frankly, I would rather write a check to some individual child that really wants to be involved in athletics that can't afford it, that literally can't do it. Sponsoring the cheer team to me now is like the biggest eye roll because granted, there are cheerleaders that need help. I'm gonna get off my soapbox here in a second. But I would rather just write a check and help a child that wants to be on any kind of athletics, cheer included, just because like to help them. But it's not going to help my business, right? Like that's just something that if if I was going to help someone, I would rather just help them, period, rather than have it tied to my business because it never works. It never, never works. And it's never worked for me. If it's worked for you, though, please tell me and tell me how it worked and, and what you did differently because this stuff I used to do and it just it just never worked for us. The other thing that really, really halfway worked, but also felt like it didn't work at all was Yelp ads. And we were spending so much money on Yelp ads. And this was not 16 years ago. I would say this maybe eight years ago. And the Yelp ads were crazy expensive. I want to say it was $1,500 every two weeks or something. And I should look back and see if I can find that for you and tell you exactly. And the phone rang off the hook. So it worked. The phone rang. We had people wanting to come in. We were better about target customer intention, showing what we did. We posted on Yelp often, showing our work. We have like literally, I think we have a five-star review, which we've never asked for reviews or paid for reviews. Or I mean, we ask our clients like, hey, if you enjoyed your service, please go rate us. But we never like bribed people for reviews because that's also not legal. 
(laughs) So we didn't do that. But the thing is, is that being a booth rental salon, I can't make anybody take a client. And unless the girls wanted in on it, which some of them did, it was kind of like, uh, what do we do with all these people that are calling and now we're disappointing them? So it almost was like we scaled too quickly, like we threw too much money at the Yelp ads. And I'm not saying that Yelp ads work like perfectly, that if you do it, it's going to work for you. I don't know that. But what I can say is that we needed to throw either less money, but then they're not as aggressive and they try to salesman you into, you've got to spend more, you've got to spend more, look at this. And they can track everything and show you every analytic and all of that. And that's fabulous. But unless you really, really need it, it doesn't really matter. Because my girls were like, well, I don't really want to work like that. I don't need that many more clients. But it takes a couple of months for Yelp to warm up and it takes a couple of months for the people to start calling. And so at that point, you spend so much money. And for me as a booth rental owner, that was a benefit for my gals, of course. And I know probably some of you are like, why did you do that at all? But it was a benefit. I wanted to grow the business. I wanted to help them grow their business so that they would be, you know, find value in working a do la la, which is my number one intent as a salon owner to take care of them and to help them flourish in whatever direction they want to go. So that was a flop-ish because it was intentional, yes, but the back end wasn't there. Like I just thought, well, the phone will ring, people will take the clients, it'll help them, and then we'll stop it as soon as they're booked. But they really didn't have the capacity to take the clients on in the first place. And the stylist, and you guys know this, the stylist that had room for the client wasn't willing to work for it. The people who who were busy and could take clients, they were like trying to do their best to take the other additional clients coming in from the Yelp phone calls, but they they can't, there's only so many hours we can work, right? And of course, this is all pre-pandemic, so we worked maybe more than we should have, but <laughs> you know, I didn't want to push anybody to burnout either. And then the lazy stylist that really needed the clients, that really needed the money, wasn't willing to actually work. And so... You know, it's a vicious cycle. So Yelp ads were something that kind of worked, but kind of didn't. Looking into the future, I think it's something I might try again. I think I might try it again if we just focus on being like an extension specialist and if we kind of changed our whole Yelp representation and made the online presence there really all about extensions. I think that would be something that we might try again, especially as extensions are more popular, hand tights are more popular. And I think it would be kind of a an interesting thing to try out. I would though probably have some sort of contractual agreement with the stylist that wanted to be involved in order to, not saying necessarily that they would have to pay for it or that they would have to like pay a fee to be involved, but That may be something that would work well too. Like if you get a client from Yelp, then you owe the salon something to go back into the kitty to like keep paying for the Yelp ads, you know, like a finder's fee sort of thing. But I think it could be done well. It would just have to be way more intentional. So if you've ever done Yelp ads, let me know how it went. And also, you know, sometimes with those things, you really got to watch it because they'll just keep charging you, keep charging you, keep charging you. And it's, you know, you have a contract and you can't get out of it. And so I was really mindful of that. But I would just say be really cautious if that's something that you're interested in doing. Other things that didn't work so well were Facebook ads. Now, I spent probably $3,000 going to Facebook ad school, right? I literally marked off a day every week and I would sit in front of my computer and I would take notes and I would watch and I would learn and I'm like, I'm gonna be the expert of this. Okay, no, you have to really, really, really be an expert of this. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. If you've ever worked inside of Ads Manager or tried to run a Facebook ad, oh my gosh, I think the devil himself wrote the program. 
I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Anyways, and it's so confusing and doesn't make sense. And I like literally studied this stuff and I was competent. I was, but I hate it so much. It sucked the life right out of me. And and my results were pretty much directly correlated. However, we did grow our email list with Facebook ads. So we didn't necessarily get a direct return on new clients, but we grew our email list and we connected with current clients based on some of the features that you can use using Facebook ads. And that was really cool because then they went to our Facebook page and they liked it. And this was at a time, gosh, this was probably, I don't know how long ago, but like when we were all using Facebook, like we're all using Instagram right now. And so that was really good. That was really, really good. But I kind of like didn't pay attention sometimes or the ad would run out of ad spend. And then so it would just go to my credit card and just like go for it. I didn't pay attention to how much I was actually spending. And my tracking wasn't good to know if we were benefiting or not benefiting. I didn't have any analytics that really would help me understand those things. And so with all of these things that I've mentioned to you, you have to be able to track them, right? So the Yelp stuff was good because we could look at that and go, well, Yeah. I mean, the phone is ringing like we know, and they could track people that clicked on call now and, you know, they can show you things. But and Facebook ads as well. But I couldn't really do it because once the phone rang and the receptionist, we didn't ask everybody like we tried, but to know if they came from Facebook or if they were an existing client or if they maybe saw like, you know, how did they get to us? And so the funnel wasn't really there. So that was a big watch out for me. One thing that I will say about Facebook during that time was that once this was when I was doing a lot of tutorials and I was doing a lot of like using this product and I was <laughs> I literally sold probably so much KMS Thermoshape 2-in-1 styling and finishing spray stuff is the bomb.com back then what I learned was that you didn't want to just boost a post you wanted to really be strategic inside of ads manager and that was where the devil wrote the computer program that's horrible I mean you could do it if you have a willingness you can do anything uh, but <laughs> my willingness was um, pretty low. So once I figured out what worked, I just stuck with that. So I targeted mostly our current clients and we just jammed them with the videos that I was creating and the tutorials that we were making in the salon. And we would sell so much of that one product. And that's where I learned like the power of the 17 to 22 touch points because I was doing it over and over and over again. And it was almost accidental because I was lazy, (laughs) right? Like I was just showing the same video. I didn't want to make videos like every five seconds, but I ended up, that's, you know, what you end up doing. And now it's like so funny because I'm on a video every single day, but that was really cool to do. And and so I learned a lot through that, right? And, and that's my point in sharing all of this with you is that even though these things that I've shared with you, basically I see them as failures, there, there were silver linings and there were some positives in terms of all of it. Even the Tyler's Taste of Texas kids menu, like I definitely learned I won't do that again. And we did see some turnover. Things were just not that advanced. Like Facebook at that point was only, social media was only for college students. Like you had to literally have a college email address like right around when I opened the salon. That's what we could do. Like I'm talking old school business tactics. And so even though they weren't great, I still learned something. And the principle is still the same. You've got to know your target customer regardless of what you're doing in terms of advertising for growth. 
So I want to share on the flip side of that some things that really did work. And the first thing is we partnered with Youth Venture, which is here. Uh, you guys probably heard me talk about it on the podcast before. It's a local like agent, or not an agency. It's a it's a com- a nonprofit that really supports at risk youth and youth that are in need. And there is one, probably another six blocks in a different direction, a youth venture center from the salon. And some of the gals at the salon go to the church that sponsors youth venture, et cetera. It was all connected. And so we did a Christmas tree and we popped those kiddos pictures all over the tree and clients made donations and you know, it, it just, it was, we just bought them their Christmas dinner and the salon matched anything that was donated for the kiddos. Like we didn't do gifts or whatever. If people wanted to, that's fine. But mostly it was just like, hey, we're matching donations. And that was something that in terms of like meeting your community, that was something that worked, that supported because our clients were already there. It connected them to the kids. Afterwards, we sent an email that had pictures of the kids at their Christmas dinner. So cute. They're just like so, so cute. And it's so sweet. It breaks my heart. But, you know, and their kids in your local community, like that stuff matters. And so people that were in the salon were like, what's that? And granted, you could do that anytime. That was an awareness campaign if we're talking three-part promo system. And I just did it because I wanted to. And the the salon can afford to do things like that. Thankfully, such a blessing. And those are the things that are important to me now. And so I did that. But here's the thing. After that, I don't know how it happened, but it spread like wildfire that the salon was doing that. And that we, I think that year we also sponsored that. I I think I just wrote a check. I didn't really like tell anybody, but the salon also sponsored their Thanksgiving dinner. And we blew up in terms of people talking about us in that organization. So volunteers and people that were associated with the church and just that really turned out well for us. And it felt good while we were doing it. Who says you can't make money and also do some good at the same time? That is my real philosophy. So that was a win for us. And so sometimes it's appropriate. Now, let me tell you this. That same organization has a golf tournament every year. I do not donate a basket of stuff to the golf tournament. I just don't. It's not beneficial. I will. This is my deal. I will give one $50 gift card for product and one $50 gift card for boutique items. So I'm really only losing $50, right? 25 each once you cut the profit out. And that's what I donate. I say, you can have these gift cards and feel free to put them in any other basket you want, but I don't do anything. I don't go waste a bunch of money buying cellophane and ribbon and baskets and crap that you put in a basket. And I don't give product and I give them gift cards because... I don't think that has been successful for us in the past either. If you're going to go to the event and work the room and smile at your pearly whites and shake hands and kiss babies, it works. I don't feel like doing that anymore. So I don't. But, you know, if there's stuff you need to get rid of, sure, it's a solid PR move. If you've got like product that you're not going to sell and you throw it in a basket and or tell them, I don't make baskets, but I give product, that can be a good thing. If you plaster your name all over it and ask them to put your name on the door and da 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 da, fine. But those things, again, unless you're going to physically go and, and chat them up and they are your target customer and they are all those things, well, it's kind of a waste, in my opinion, from 16 years of experience. And I will happily go work a room when it's the right thing and it's aligned with my heart. But it's not like I, I'm just not a gala person. I'm just not. And I understand that our target customers are there and I might be missing it, but that doesn't align with my personal priorities. So I don't do it, right? We always got to come back to the dream 10, even when we're talking about growth and advertising. Okay, something else that worked a long time ago, we had an event probably every other month. Those events were fantastic. 
They were a lot of work. And that was in the beginning. Those That was back in the good old days. And I was really building the salon and that worked because it was word of mouth. It was bring your friend. If you're the client, bring your friend. So we're getting more of the right target clients. We did, oh my gosh, the first one though was a disaster. Um, it was so, it was a Valentine's event, so it's timely. We did free masks. So they were supposed to get like a wash and a blowout. And my staff at the time, ever, remember everybody's rental, booked appointments and they were like, yeah, we'll put them on and then they can leave wet. But some people didn't understand that because I didn't really understand that. I mean, I understood, but I didn't know that they didn't have the time and I wasn't paying them. It was just like all of us just kind of like coming together to do something good to build all of us up, right? It was it was a group effort. But some people were like, well, I want to blow dry. And the girls were like, well, I don't have time for a blow dry and because there's another one. And so we booked these appointments. Oh, my goodness gracious. What a mess. And one of the clients got drunk. Oh, it was horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. But honestly, like really not that bad. It just stressed me out because it was the very first time we'd done an event and I felt like it was chaos and stress. And if you've ever hosted an event at your salon, you might know what that feels like or even like a birthday party at your house or whatever at the park. Like it just can be stressful throwing events. And so I learned from that event so much. But since then, and even that one, we made a ton of money, I think. So I I have no idea. I'd have to go find like some old archaic computer to pull the records from. And that that was in our first or second year. So 2007. 2008. But then from there, I learned. And my events are freaking phenomenal at this point. Events are fantastic. They bring the community in. We speak to our target customer. They usually bring a friend or a grandma or somebody, and it introduces us to more people. And granted, the grandma might not be our target customer, but she might be someone who is a target customer for our retail promotions. She might be a target customer for maybe not for me, if I'm specializing in extensions, but we do have stylists that maybe she's a massage option, you know, or maybe she wants to get a facial. We're a community-based salon, and so I'm okay with all of those things, but we definitely target who we want to see. So we did a brunch with Unite, which was so fun and so incredibly profitable. Um, I don't know, maybe this was six years ago, four, five years ago, and we did a whole brunch party. All my girls that wanted to participate didn't take clients, right? Because now I know that there's a thing here that happens. They're there for their clients. We did a braid bar and we targeted, it was around Coachella time. So we're targeting that age demographic. Yes, we had some littles come with their mom, but guess what? That mom takes their kid's picture like 30 times and posts it all over social media and says where they are. I mean, it was just, it's things like that that are fantastic. And of course, the hot young thing that is our actual target customer, she's posting posting everywhere too, right? So we did all kinds of things like that throughout, you know, the last, I would say, eight years that have been way more successful and all based on the dream time philosophy for me. Because we used to host like that first Valentine event, oh my lordy, Michael Jordy. That was on a Tuesday night. I think it went to like 9.30 or 10 o'clock by the time I had cleaned up everything. It was nuts. I spent so much money setting up like this beautiful food spread and all this stuff. And guess what? That doesn't make you profitable. Yes, it's cute in a picture. But now I've got it dialed. We do champagne and donuts. It's on brand. It's on brand for me personally and my life. (laughs) And it's on brand for the salon, right? Like champagne and donuts. It's what we do. Champagne, I buy like moderate champagne. It's it's not junk, you know. In a past life, I was a sommelier, so um, or at least I want to be in my next. So I, I buy some champagne that it doesn't cost that much, but it's actually really delicious. It's less than ten dollars a bottle. Nobody throw the tomatoes at me. And then donuts are so freaking cheap. You just get them cute. I tell the donut guy, hey, Mr. Donut Guy, I I don't know his name. I really should. This is embarrassing because he's the donut man of my life. But you know, Mr. Donut. We need these kind. Can you put this color sprinkles? Can you make me four dozen donuts? 
And he does it. Absolutely. Right. He doesn't care. And I give him an extra $10 and call it great when I pick him up. And he's happy as a clam. Right. So it, it works for me and it follows my philosophy. It's so easy to clean up. So easy to clean up. You have napkins and cups and that's it. And it's trash, right? And we recycle as best we can. But just make it simple. Follow whatever is appropriate for you. Honor your priorities in these things, right? The other thing that worked really well for me is knowing my salon core values. And I know that that just seems like for growth, like that's weird. But when we're talking about, like I get get DMs sometimes and they're like, Lexi, I need more stylists. How do you find good stylists? And it's like, well, what are you looking for? They're like, oh, somebody that's booked, somebody, you know, that has a full clientele. They do a lot of lived in color. Yeah, like just somebody that can pay their rent that like fits in with us. I'm like, okay, well, um, what does that mean? I don't know what the, someone that fits in with us. I don't know what that means. Like a lot of people do those things that you just described, but they probably don't fit in. That last little caveat is where you take the shape of ball, right? That yellow ball with the hearts, the stars, the square, the triangle, and you try to squish the red shape through the hole. And if it's not the heart with the heart, it doesn't work. That's the same thing when it comes to your priorities and also your salon core values. So what is what are those things? And so defining those really helped me because I love to hand those out on an interview and just say, hey, read this through and then I'll be right back. And they read them and I come back and then we go over them together. And I'm like, hey, was there anything in here that kind of stuck out to you that, that doesn't sit? well. And if they say yes, then they cannot work with me. Hello, red flag, hot pink flag right there. No, thank you. So it's, it's nice to know. And I get to say it and I talk about them and I embody them because it's one thing to just write down something and this is what I'm about. But if you don't live it, if you don't show it, if people can't tell by, they don't need to read that seven core value statement that I have. They know what I'm about. You can tell by listening to this podcast. You know what I'm about. I've said it on the podcast multiple times and I've shared on my Instagram, but community is number one. That's our number one core value. We are all about community. We have grannies to babies and everybody in between and and that's fine. But we also have a mindset that goes with that, right? And, And so continuously. I'm not going to share all of the core values here, but if that's interesting to you, I could do a deep dive on that in a different episode. But absolutely, like knowing those core values helps to find the right people. And it also helps you keep your head on straight as a leader, right? And even if you're a solo gal, you should have core values for your business because your clients will start to see what you're like and what you will tolerate and what you won't tolerate. And, and that's okay, that's great. It helps to put the magnet effect on, right? To, to bring those those clients to you. If you're someone who, you know, I find this, we have these conversations a lot lately regarding COVID and how crazy people are. Um, and just like politically with everything that we've gone through in the last probably four years, that some people are like, I will not talk about politics. And that would be a core value, right? I will not talk about these things. And if your clients push back, then they're probably not a target customer of yours. But you need to know that. You need to know what your core values are and share them with your clients. And not to say that you don't need to be like, I am a this or I am a that. And I believe in X, Y, and Z. No, like you don't need to do that. You can just say, this is these are things that I do talk about. These are things that are not appropriate in my business. I'm here to support a healthy lived in hair. You can just define it simply. It doesn't have to be some big, long, drawn out thing. The other thing that worked really well after knowing my core values is to do things with my team, to embody that community aspect, right? So everything that I do as a leader, I really, community comes first. It's like, how am I building building the team? How am I building the relationships between me with each stylist, but also with each other, with stylist to stylist and esthetician to stylist and whatever, right? Because we've got a, a lot of different uh, experts under one roof, but we do team fun days. I write handwritten notes. I do love bombs around the salon. I do gifts. And even though 
maybe it's not the most expensive thing or, and sometimes it is a nice gift, but it's, it's not about spending the money. It's about embodying that I really care about them. It's, it's doing that that makes people want to come work with me. It's about taking that next step to make things nice for them. Like I had a new stylist. She's starting on the ninth. Shout out to Ashley. And she said, the fact that you guys make content together made me want to be here. What does that go back to? My core values, community. It's just all so tied together. And if I knew my core values and I knew my target customer, I probably would have never, never in a million years done that local business sponsorship on that menu or sponsored the cheer team. And frankly, I might have thought twice about the Yelp ads. You know, it's just these things that have to cart before the horse, but also how would I have known? I'm learning. And how would you have known if I don't tell you or if you don't learn on your own, right? And I just want to save you the failure. I want to. I want you to outsource your failure to me. So in general, doing education with my girls, all based on our core values, because education is a part of our core values. You can't get away from education when you're around me. I'm going to push you to make you better. So like that needs to be shared as well. So these kind of things are, are the things that have worked really well for me. And then of course, things that didn't work well. But you know what? The things that didn't work well, it was based on a couple of reasons why, right? Like I didn't know my target customer. I didn't know what the point was. I didn't know what I did and who I did it for, whether that was speaking to stylists to come and rent and be be a part of my team, or if it was to clients to come in and be a client of the salon with members of my team. I didn't really know my role in the beginning, obviously. I've shared lots of stories of failure of what my role was as an owner and what I was trying to do. And I, I really didn't have a true defined mission as a salon owner, other than I just needed to pay my rent or my, you know, my mortgage. And and so a lot of that comes with clarity. And with that, you need a plan, right? And I'm always talking about that because it's so incredibly important. And I thought, well, you know what, Lexi, just share with the share with the crew. Share the things that didn't work. Share the things that made you, you know, when you think about it now, like it makes your skin crawl. Oh, there's one I didn't have in my notes. I did <laughs> another silly thing that didn't work. And I tried to do like a loyalty punch card thing, but it was digital and I had to pay the company like $500 every, like $475 every month. But then there were all these surcharges and I couldn't get out of it. Oh, it was, it was called like five star or something. Oh my gosh, like none of that, like that one makes me like my blood boil because they were horrible to get out of the contract with, but I did. And remember that too, like you have negotiating power. Things can change um, and you're allowed to change your mind. But those kind of things, like does my target customer even want a loyalty program? I don't know. And do I have the capacity to keep track of it? And do I have the capacity to make good on that loyalty offer? Or is my profit margin so tight that I can't actually do that or I'm losing money, right? Like these kind of things. So anyways, I share that with you. That That was off note here. But it's those kind of things that we need to keep in in mind as we set out for growth. Can we sustain it? Does this work for my target customer? What happens to my bottom line when I do something like this? Is this growth a good thing, right? And and do we want this type of growth? And which direction are we going? Because the more clarity you have and the more planning you can put into place, and inside a salon quarterly, I'm always talking about the big old brainstorm. Like you need to, to brainstorm all these things before you do it. Like if somebody comes in with a shiny offer, that might be cool for somebody, but you need to really sit with it. You need to work on it and make sure it aligns with your business goals. How about that for a walk down memory lane? Some failures, some successes, and always failing forward with lessons and things that we can learn and take away and bring to our business no matter where we are because your business is always evolving, right? And week to week, we learn things. 
we, we learned so much. And it's such a wonderful blessing that we get to keep doing it. And you guys know that I truly, truly believe that our beauty business is the vehicle that has the power to change our lives, to change the trajectory of our families and generational wealth. And I'm just so empowered by it. So everything that I shared with you today, I hope that something resonated. Let me know what did. Don't forget about the Instagram giveaway for Salon Quarterly Journals. I'm so excited for you to get the journal in your hand. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out my Instagram stories. And it's a journal that I created that is specifically in alignment with the Salon Quarterly program, but you can use it without. And I walk you through how to do that too. So check that out for sure. DM me if you're podcast people and you uh, want a little extra entry into the journal giveaway. And until then, I hope you have a fantastic week. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I love creating them each week and connecting with you after you listen on Instagram. I really love it when you tag me and share the episode to your stories. It's twofold. It lets me know that you're podcast people so then I can go and do a little friendly stalk and and drop a love bomb over on your page. And also it shares the show to your followers and your friends and fellow hairdressers, which I totally appreciate because this is a free show and it's difficult to grow the podcast without your help. So thank you much for that. I'll see you on stories and right back here next week.